0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.
1: Welcome to In the Psychologist's Chair with host Dr. Raymond Hamden. Our program will feature an application update in the psychology of everyday life. Now, here is your host, Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, and you're in the psychologist's chair. And today, we talk about proper relations to prosperous resolutions. Since studying and working in the profession of psychology, I've learned four things. These are certain. There is a universal force what goes around comes around. You can't hide the truth, and there is a universal pattern. Psychology is a scientific study of cognition, emotions, and behavior, how the body works, how the environment affects us physically and psychologically, and vice versa. The best definition is that of my older children when they were young kids playing in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. in the neighborhood. They were about at that Oedipal power phase of life when children tend to compete, wanting to see who's bigger, who has more relatives, who can beat up who. Impressively, one of the children asked my kids, what does your daddy do? My daughter answered, my daddy is a psychologist. She was so proud of being able to even pronounce that at the age of five years old that they were so impressed with her, they asked her, what does that mean? And her confident response was, that means he gives people lots of problems. The scientific look at the psychology of human beings is seen in various areas of existence, work, recreation, love, and ethos. These four aspects of life should constitute your daily life. In an unpublished text called The Balanced for Life Before Burnout, I talk about these four areas that I'll share with you now. Work is to be productive. It can be an earned income, being a student, or doing volunteer work. But it can also being a house mom or a house dad. It is so important not to take that particular job for granted. So many times in private practice I hear people say, I don't do anything, I'm a housewife. You don't do anything, you're a housewife. You work 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. You're the chief cook and bottle washer, the chauffeur. You make sure the grass is cut. You make sure that the kids get to school and their homework is done. You make sure your partner is ready to go to work with all the necessities of the equipment and clothing that they need to have to go. Yet you don't do anything, you're just a housewife. Sometimes men have had to learn about being just a housewife by being Mr. Mom for a period of time. So what we find in work, that it is a form of productivity, is where you're making a contribution to society, that you're not a burden on the community, So an earned income may be one form of being productive in society, but being a student or doing volunteer work is also contributing to the future and helping those today. And certainly being a house parent is an important role in preparing your children for tomorrow. The second thing we're going to talk about, but equal to all the others, is play. It's a time to recreate So what you're doing is you're recreating a non-stressful time that's just for fun, like sports and hobbies. And playing tennis with the boss is not exactly recreational. Sometimes you have to let them win, even if they don't deserve to, just to stay on their good side. So play should be recreating non-stressful time. It might be by yourself or with a group of people who you enjoy their company as they do yours. It's not work-related. Love is a sense of belonging. And when we talk about love, we talk about the sense of belonging in four different ways. There's the love of God, called agape, the love of your fellow human beings, philos, which means brotherly love, and happens to be where the word Philadelphia comes from. Eros is romantic love, and ekoyenia is family love. These don't take the place of each other, but they do overlap a little and may influence each other. A mature individual would not ask, do you love your parents more than you love your partner? The intensity may be different, but you still can't compare them. The two can't be compared even if the intensity for one is greater than the other, nor can you ask, do you love your child more than you love your partner? Ethos comes in as the living principles, which has the following dimensions. Spiritually, is your worship style organized or non-organized? Organized would be going through the rituals. Whether those rituals are signing the cross bowing towards Mecca five times a day or praying at the Wailing Wall or whatever means you use ritualistically is organized. Non-organized is more that spiritual way of worship where you don't need to go through those rituals to have that spiritual closeness to your universe. It's like the Sufi, who is the charismatic expression of Islam, was asked, if you're such a good Muslim, why is it that you don't pray five times a day? And the response is, why should I stop praying to go pray? Your mission statement of life is an important aspect of ethos. It entails your definition of values and attitude. Values is personal. Attitude is global. Your attitude and your values may constitute that same kind of mission statement. There could be hundreds of mission statements that you have. But your attitude is that global look at that same statement. But when it becomes personalized, that's your values that kick in. We also look at your uniqueness. That's your traditions, which is personal, and your customs, which is global. When people take religion as an example of this, it's customary that people may worship Christmas on December 25th. But it's traditional that there's a big family gathering on that day, in which you may get together in the morning, go to worship, watch the ball game, cook together, play ball together. It's a family day. So the custom, which is a global expression of your religious preference, is also ignited positively with your tradition. How you express that personally. Then we look at yin-yang of experience and existence. One of the ways that this can be illustrated is through morals and ethics. Morals is personal, ethics is global. So in other words, you may have ethical principles that govern your way of life, whether it be the rules and regulations of your community, the laws of the land, The Ten Commandments, for instance, for the Abrahamic faith. Or it might be the code of ethics at your place of worship, at your place of work. The morals, then, is how you practice ethically. For instance, at work, there may be an ethical code that says, don't take kickbacks. But morally, you might justify that by saying, it's not really a kickback. It's actually an incentive to work hard with this particular company. Now, these four areas, work, recreation, love, and ethos, are important to positive psychological health on a daily basis. With the intention to look at patterns and find the solutions, the innate human need is for belonging in all aspects of human life. Well, we want to belong, not only at work and be respected for our contributions and appreciated but also at recreation we want to feel that we're part of a team sometimes being part of a team doesn't mean that we're working with others but we may have individual tasks that contribute to a nation's expression through its athletes love is a sense of belonging to others whether it's god family friends or romance an ethos gives us that universal connectedness another form of belonging when we look at relationship model we bring out this sense of belonging and commitment interestingly belonging is not the measure for whether a relationship will exist whether that relationship be at work recreation at home Or even spiritually. Belonging, which can also be love, is only gained when we've learned intimacy and friendship with others. So the two or more people who are together, whether it's a working or a romantic relationship, are only going to find intimacy and friendship when they've been willing to be vulnerable with each other. That vulnerability will only be gained When the foundation is fostered, and that is trust and respect. Trust and respect is not seen at first sight, and therefore neither is love. We do know through psychological studies that there are good vibrations and good chemistry that gives us the indication that this person might be more likely to get close to. But it's impossible to have love at first sight. You can't see somebody and say, I trust you and I respect you, Therefore, we love each other. Let's get married. And by the way, trust me, I'll respect you in the morning doesn't work either. Trust and respect is a process, and it takes weeks, months, years, and it's ongoing. But you'll get to the point where trust and respect will be enough that you'll try to be a little bit vulnerable and test that vulnerability. And if the other person doesn't use it against you, you might tell them a bigger secret— And as the two of you move along in the relationship and test vulnerability even greater, you'll get to the point where there is friendship and intimacy. By definition, that is that belonging that we call love. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden in the psychologist's chair on Relationship Patterns.
1: dreamed of seeing yourself or your child in a modeling ad, TV commercial, feature film, or a TV show? Do you think that you can't work as an actor or model because you are too old, not tall enough, or simply have no idea how to get started? Well, now you can learn the best way to get started and give yourself your best chance to succeed, no matter where you live. Tune in to Model Talk Radio, presented by Modelscouts.com. Each week, host Aaron Marcus, America's premier acting and modeling coach, will take you behind in the scenes of the modeling and acting world join us fridays at 5 p.m eastern 2 p.m pacific on voice america variety
0: we're making it easier to listen to the voice america talk radio network wherever you go in addition to listening live you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts discover new talk show personalities add shows to your list of favorites and listen to all our show archives on demand All from your iPhone, BlackBerry or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World or Android Market and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app powered by Aircast.
1: Do you know what a brat is? No, we're not talking about that kind of brat. Brat stands for British Regimental Attached Traveler. It was adopted by American culture after World War II when American military began long-term assignments at U.S. military installations worldwide. Learn about the brat culture, the lost tribe, by tuning in to BratCon Radio with host Dennis Campbell and associate producer and co-host Jerry Glass. There are almost 8 million living Brats. Hear from them and from guests who studied or examined them. Tune in Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel.
3: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
1: are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden, In the Psychologist's Chair, and we're talking about relationship patterns. Relationships are built on two parts, belonging and commitment. We've just reviewed belonging as intimacy and friendship, which is gained when two or more people can be vulnerable with each other. And this only occurs when trust and respect is the foundation. The sustainer of the relationship, however, is commitment. Now, commitment is not just responsibility and loyalty, But that is a very important dimension. When we look at commitment, however, we're looking at commitment as the indicator, the barometer for whether relationships will last a long time or not. And here we find again those similar words that we discussed earlier in the balanced for life. Values and attitudes are defined as your mission statement. Traditions and customs is what makes you unique ethics and morals has to do with your yin-yang. Now under three elements here can be hundreds of different items that you must know for yourself. When selecting a partner whether it's a romantic partner, a recreational partner, or partners at work, you you need to know yourself to be able to understand how to know others. So self-discovery and definition of these areas will help you not only understand yourself but make a better choice when asking others to be part of your life at work, play, love, and even spiritually. The barometer that is seen with commitment is an important factor even though both belonging and commitment are the definition of the relationship model that's being used today. Belonging, or love, changes. When we first meet somebody, it's very physical. It's very passionate. We want everything to be close at hand. We think about them a lot. We encourage a lot of time together. And even when we're not together, we want to talk to each other, think of each other, do things for each other. As the relationship progresses, we move from passion to compassion, And here, in a romantic relationship, it becomes a spiritual bond that unfortunately, materialistic people seem to not understand. People who grow up materialistically are looking for that five cents definition of a relationship. Many times people will say, well, I'm not in love anymore. Well, of course you're not in love anymore. Very few people stay in love forever. Usually, That in-love phase or that passion phase goes away in anywhere from two and a half years in the first relationship to six months to a year in the third or fourth relationship. So the more experience that we have in relationship, the less time it takes to get through that passion or honeymoon phase or fantasy phase into the passionate phase. The compassion phase, which is the mature phase of love, is spiritual. It's that spiritual bond where you can look at each other and sense what the other person may be thinking or feeling. Where you can pick up things at the store that you don't know why you thought about them, but just pick them up to find that your partner needed them and had forgotten to ask you to pick them up. You don't have to be sitting next to each other to be connected. What we know in new age psychology is that there's a frequency that is transmitted from the brain. The longer people are together, the closer those frequencies come together. So, what we see then is also the cognitive dissonance principle of psychology, that when you first meet somebody, it's impossible to have that love. So you overcompensate with a lot of time together and physical contact together. As the love matures, there becomes less need of showing the desire of being together through physical attributes. What you see then is mistakenly people interpret and misinterpret compassion to be that there's something wrong with the relationship, when in fact there's something very right about the relationship. So with that kind of change that takes place, we know that love or that sense of belonging doesn't really last forever and is not the best barometer for sustaining a relationship, but commitment is. The research has also shown that arranged marriages might just work better than love marriages. Because when families bring their children together, they're bringing together a commonality of the way they think, feel, and behave in the community. Same place or similar place of worship, same high school, same games, that they played sports, same interest. And those kind of similarities can also foster that learned attitude that we call love. Or that sense of belonging. When people don't have that commitment side, where their values and attitudes, traditions and customs, ethics and morals are not intact or not similar, when there's a problem in the relationship and love is different, they may find difficulty in maintaining the relationship. So we find that a relationship is both belonging, and commitment. But commitment tends to be the barometer, the sustainer of a relationship. Love is important. That sense of belonging is innate and, of course, important. We also look at how this can affect various aspects of the relationship. So let's investigate communications and understanding model, which results in cooperation, whether it's occupational, recreational, domestic, or spiritual. When we look at the communications model, we see that a person will behave according to their intuition and their intention, which will be interpreted by the other person according to their experience in life, not necessarily what the other person intended. So when person A says something or does something, that's a behavior person B will interpret that behavior according to their experiences. So if people use particular words and language, the other person will interpret that word and those language expressions according to the way they understand them, which may be different than the original source who said them or did them. When that happens, then the person who did the interpretation will take their interpretation and think about it and feel through their own interpretation. Well, what if it's a misinterpretation? Then the cycle becomes miscommunications. We know that the way our bodies are created, the male species has a tendency to provide and protect. The female species has a tendency to nourish and bond. So the husband, at work, in a traditional family, says, I love my family so much, I'm going to work two extra hours tonight to earn overtime to buy my wonderful wife that leather jacket that she likes so much. She's at home saying, I love my children, but it's getting boring being at home babbling all day long. I'm looking forward to fixing a nice meal, all of us sitting together, having a nice meal, putting the children to bed early, and then my husband and I can have an adult evening together tonight. Now here's what happens. The husband comes in two hours late. The wife's interpretation in this traditional family is I'm bored with the children. My husband obviously didn't come home on time, because he doesn't want to be with me since he's bored with me too. She thinks he doesn't care about her. What she feels then is hurt. Well, what we do with hurt is we turn hurt into anger. So whenever you feel angry, ask yourself what hurt your feelings. Well, what she does then, is she says, well, the heck with him. He'll just have to eat whatever's available whenever he decides to come home. Well, the next day, He says, I love my family so much, and yesterday was so amazing. My wife is absolutely brilliant. I'm going to work even two more hours again tonight to earn more money so we can have that extra day vacation at our favorite theme park this summer. Now he comes home two hours late, but the behavior is her intention based on her misinterpretation. There's no dinner on the table. His interpretation is then based on his experience. I work hard for my family to show love. They should do the same for me. He thinks his wife doesn't care about him, unless, of course, she wants an adult evening with him. He feels hurt. Now, what does he do with his hurt? He turns his hurt into anger. He then says, well, I'm going to go out for a meal with the boys after work. Of course, the next night, he shows up four hours late with alcohol on his breath. And, of course, her interpretation is that any man who shows up four hours late and not have given any reason to do so and has alcohol in his breath must be naughty in a naughty place with a naughty other person. She now thinks that he's having an affair. What she's feeling is guilt. Now, remember, she's not going to deal with the guilt because... She can't keep her husband interested in her. She doesn't want to have to admit that because her intentions are good. So she turns her guilt into resentment. So whenever you feel resentment, ask yourself, what are you feeling guilty about? She takes the kids and moves out. He comes home the next night, four hours late, of course, now with alcohol in his breath again. And guess what? The new behavior? No one is at home. His interpretation is based on his experience. So he thinks that his wife must be interested in the milkman, and that's why she left him for somebody else and took the children. He feels guilty for not being more attentive to her, but he, remember, his intentions are good. What happens to this story? We'll be right back. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. You're in the psychologist's chair And we're dealing with relationship patterns.
1: Listen to the women's side of the fitness industry on Fitness Rx Radio with Adela Garcia and Sonia Gonzalez. If you're looking to stay healthy and look great or are getting ready to compete athletically, this is the show for you. We'll look at competitions from the inside out, bring you fitness tips, nutrition to keep you on top of your game, and so much more. We want to hear from you, too, and we'll take your questions by phone or email. Tune in to Fitness Rx Radio, airing every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Look and feel your best.
0: And the Voice America Sports Network.
3: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at inthepsychologistchair.info. That email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: In the miscommunication cycle, we've learned that people will behave in a particular way in what they say or do. That called a behavior then causes an interpretation by the second person, which is going to be interpreted according to their experiences. People will think and feel what they've interpreted and then have their own intention that has a behavior. So as we see in our story where a man provides and protects, a woman nourishes and bonds, the dad is working extra hard to make extra money, mom is looking for that kind of adult time together for nourishment and for bonding of the family. Dad comes home late. Mom sees that as a disinterest in her. When he comes home and finds no food on the table, or she thinks he doesn't care too much about her cooking, she says, I'm not going to cook for him. He then comes home late, looking for attention and affection, And there's no food. He says, well, I'm working hard for my wife. She should do the same for me in this traditional family, but obviously only wants me when she wants an adult evening. She leaves after he comes home with beer breath, thinking that he's having an affair. He comes home with beer breath. She's gone, thinking that she must be having an affair. Now, both of them feel guilty because she couldn't be able to keep her husband interested in her. He's feeling guilty for not being more attentive to his wife, but neither one of them deal with their guilt because, remember, both of them think that their intentions are good. So as the story goes on, the husband who comes home to find his wife has left believes that she's having an affair also. So angrily, with that resentment now because remember he's not going to deal with his guilt since his intentions are good also. He gets a lawyer to serve her with divorce papers which gets interpreted as he doesn't want this relationship. She says, okay big man, I'm going to countersue you with a divorce. So he gets his divorce papers from her proving that she doesn't want to be in the marriage. All of it misinterpretation. This is kind of what happens when people are in a stressful argument They yell, they scream, they try to shut each other up, thinking that if I can talk louder and faster, the other person will have to listen to me. Well, even if you can talk louder and faster and the other person shuts up, they're not really listening to you. They're rehearsing what they're going to say when you finally shut up. It's kind of like putting an old 33 RPM record on your great great granddads 78 Victrola, it gets louder and faster. Now, in this particular record, if you would go back to the very first track, what you realize is that both of them loved each other so much they were doing something extra special for each other, but it didn't get communicated. It makes it difficult to re-regulate this situation because of a model called classical conditioning. When people miscommunicate, too regularly, they seem to fall into that classical conditioning trap. Now, classical conditioning, of course, we remember Ivan Pavlov in basic psychology. Others have emulated that same piece of research in different ways. But to keep it simple right now, let's talk about how Ivan Pavlov's dog was presented meat, and that Meat presented to the dog would cause the dog to salivate. What happened, as Ivan Pavlov said, well, what would happen if we ring a bell every time we would present the meat? And he did so for several trials. Eventually he took the meat out and only rang the bell, and what did the dog do? Salivate. So salivating at meat is an unconditioned response. You don't have to learn to do that. Salivating at the bell is a conditioned response. You have to learn to salivate at a bell. The way this works in human relations, when anything is upsetting, stressful, or tense, the normal reaction is going to be agitation and irritation and anxiety. If you associate those negative things with a person, a place, or a situation, it doesn't take too many of those experiences before you anticipate something negative Just when you think that person is coming home, or on the telephone, or at work, or even recreationally. Regardless of whether they're doing anything wrong or right, you're going to anticipate it. Well, guess how that's going to influence the way that you interpret their behavior. So just like the couple we talked about before, even when the intentions are good, the experience may misinterpret Well, interestingly, Pavlov wanted to decondition the dog, and he did so. He continuously rang the bell without the meat. And after several trials, the dog realized that there's no meat and there's no reason to salivate. Well, for those of you who continued reading and came up with what's called spontaneous recovery... You realize that after many trials of no meat and only bell ringing, the dog didn't salivate. But what Pavlov did is he reintroduced the meat about 20 trials later, and the dog did salivate again. Even though the meat was not represented, when the dog heard the bell, because it had learned to salivate earlier, this time it did continue to salivate again but only half the amount of time as the previous deconditioning process. In human relations, this looks like lineal progression. You make two steps forward, giving it your best shot. And if something goes wrong or causes you discomfort or bad memories, you fall back halfway. So you may fall back one step for illustration purposes. Then you'll say, well, We want to give it a chance, let's go two steps forward again. Something else happens that causes you to think negatively. This time you fall back halfway from the last halfway back. So you fall back a quarter of a step. Again, two steps forward giving it the best possible probability of resolution. Something negative happens, but this time you fall back an eighth of a step. And you keep going two steps forward and back until you get to a learning plateau. Now, you may not see your progress because you're functioning within your own frame of reference. And your frame of reference may be progressing, but you only see ups and downs within your own frame of reference. Therefore, whenever something goes wrong, you think you've gone back down to square one. But you actually haven't. You've only gone back to the bottom of your own frame of reference, and tomorrow's worst moment in that frame of reference may be better than today's best moment in your frame of reference, but you don't see it. It's kind of like when you visit relatives only once or twice a year. You might notice that the children have grown considerably, but the parents won't necessarily realize it because they see them every day. You could say, my goodness, you've grown at least three to four inches since I've seen you the last time. And the parents think, well, you know, maybe so. We did go through a new shirt size, new shoe size, and pant size. So when people are progressing emotionally, it has the same kind of effect. We don't always see it. But realizing that there is a pattern is important for you to appreciate that you are progressing. It's impossible not to. Just by understanding the communications model, the classical conditioning model, you're going to make positive gestures towards your significant friends and others by remembering that what you intend to say may not be interpreted the same way by the receiver. And there we go back to another look at the communications model. When you have a sender for a message to a receiver, The sender will encode that message, but the receiver has to decode it. Well, the encoding and the decoding may not be the same. When people are conditioned to expecting the worse from each other, that can be quite damaging. And here's why negative and positive ratio are never one-to-one. Even if it's a mild negative that is said or done, it takes five positives to balance it out. If it's a moderate negative that's said or done, it takes seven to ten positives to balance it out. If it's a severe negative that is said or done, it can take 18 or more positives to balance it out. So be careful that when you think that you want to say something negative, are you ready to balance it out with all the positives That are going to be required. Many people aren't sure how not to be negative. Well, that in itself is a negative statement, how not to be negative. What we want to learn is how to be positive without compromising the need to resolve those things that are negative. For instance, if a person says, I do not want a divorce, that's a negative statement. But to say, I want a relationship with my partner, in which we mutually care, share, and love each other. That's positive, and it's more pleasant to work towards. In the workplace, I do not want to be fired is a negative statement. But to say, I'd like to be in a workplace situation where people mutually trust and respect each other, and we feel appreciated for our contributions. I want to feel worthy in that place, and I want to be able to learn to appreciate others unconditionally. That helps you get something positive to work for. It's always easier to work for the positive than to always looking behind you for the negative. It's kind of like watching sports. When you watch an athlete who has the ball, a good athlete will keep their eye on the goal. Peripheral vision will enable them to understand whether somebody's coming from the right or the left. When they look behind them, they lose sight of that goal. I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden. You're in the psychologist's chair. We're talking about relationship patterns. you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take voice america on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone
3: blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android
1: market think you know everything there is to know about running a successful business think again Break it down. the truth is you may only know the half of it Don't worry, you are far from being alone. Many people think they can go with the half they do know, and the other half will just come naturally. When you are your own boss, on-the-job training comes at a price. Tune in to The Other Half of Business with hosts Davita Lewis and Adam Lyons, airing live every Saturday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. And find out how to get ahead with The Other Half of Your Business.
3: Surprise you. Voice America Variety Channel presents a program like no other for those in the field and interested in the field of security and training. On America's front lines of crime and war with Victory Defense Consulting, Hosted by J.J. Sutton. Here, listeners are learning about tactical skills and practices that support efficient, smarter, and more enduring skills. You will receive the most up-to-date information about the security and training industry with detailed discussions and select special guests each week. Tune in to On America's Front Lines of Crime and War, Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com
1: You are listening to In the Psychologist's Chair with Dr. Raymond Hamden. We'd love to hear from you via email at info at that email address again is info at inthepsychologistchair.info. Now, back to Dr. Raymond Hamden.
2: I'm Dr. Raymond Hamden in the Psychologist chair, and we're talking about relationship patterns. In the Indian language, Hindu, the word ashram means community, and that community can be your home, your neighborhood, the town or city that you live in the county, the state, the region, the country, the global region, and the global life itself. When people treat members unfairly, unequally, or with prejudice and bias, the results are the fear of rejection, abandonment, and neglect. Normal people seek collaboration. It is innate to want to belong. These fundamental human aspects will culminate how we communicate, how we condition each other, and how we reinforce each other positively rather than negatively. When we look at various kinds of studies on relationships, whether it's romantic, workplace, or even recreational, people go through various phases. These phases are important to understand. Let's look at some of the studies. When employees ask for money, they may not be asking for money at all, because once they get that raise that they ask for, whether individually or as a group, in three months to six months, they may be asking for money again. One bright industrial psychologist back in the 70s decided to understand more what is this business about asking for money. To find out what the employees were really asking for was appreciation and recognition that may be one of the early reasons that we went from the pyramid system to a more flat matrix system where people of an organization had an opportunity to be part of that productivity that sense of recognition and sense of appreciation so everyone regardless of title was to be part of the progress of that organization. When we look at relationships, whether it's at home, work, or recreation, people want to be happy. But what does happiness mean? Let's look at that. Researchers also tested this term, happiness, by visiting with the Amish community and also visiting with those who'd won millions of dollars in the New York lottery. Both were happy. When doing the one-year longitudinal backup on that, what they found was that those who'd won millions of dollars weren't really happy anymore after one year. They still had their money. They weren't using the principal; They were spending the interest. But they didn't know the real family members except those who wanted to exploit their money. They still didn't know who their neighbors were. And that's nothing to say about the great city of New York or any other city in the world. That's only to say about people's behavior, their intentions, their sense of security. But people from the Amish community, much as people from the Mohadoon community of India and parts of the Middle East, who live off of God's gift to them, not necessarily materialistic things, found that they were still happy. The reason? They lived in communities and homes of cooperation and that was mutual cooperation. There is a difference between competition and cooperation. Competition is when one person has to win and the other person has to lose. Cooperation is when both help each other to win and get what they need. So then we see solutions are learned from these experiences. Here are the givens. One, people want a balance in their life. Two, people need a sense of belonging, as in the various aspects of relating. Three, people desire to be understood, appreciated, trusted, and respected, whether at home, work, or recreation. Then, the relationship model for conflict resolution process seems to be as follows in all human factors. We see the honeymoon phase first. At home, it's passion. At work, it's a new focal interest. At recreation, it's concentration for coordination. The second phase is a compromise point. At home, things are not so cute as before, and is this all I get? At work, enough repetition, so let's get it right. At recreation, enough practice, so where is the coordination? In the third phase of the relationship model for conflict resolution, we see reality struggles. At home, this person is predictable and boring. At work, tolerance is less. Recreation, endurance is reduced. Now, here we come to the decision phase, which is the fourth. At home, realize not the same, intimacy is less. Work, forgetful and careless. Recreation, gets angry. And inconsiderate. Here though it doesn't stop. We keep moving on. Do we want this theme of separating the good and bad and do we want to continue or not? Those who want to continue will continue to do so when they make that choice. One will find the people of this ashram develop with productivity, acceptance and other mature human factors from home to neighborhood, to town or city, county, nation, region, and the planet on which we all reside. The Millennium Development Goals, Real Family Values, has a director, Jonathan Granoff, who made a presentation at the United Nations in March of 2009. He said, The human family is one, Like any family, it needs a home, a place to come together, and the United Nations aspires to be that home. As a human being, we are together one body with many parts. Any impairment or injustice to any part of the universal body orders a dysfunction, a fear response, rejection, abandonment, neglect from all parts. When we look at the human existence of home, work, and recreation, we see a similar pattern of the desire to relate and the desire to resolve conflict. Unlike our forefathers, the two icons that we take for granted is the bomb that tells us about the abuse of science and technology and the end result of human arrogance. Death to all, we all hold dear. The other is the image of the planet Earth from outer space that reminds us how wondrous, majestic, precious, and miraculous every life actually is. Human beings sit in infinite space, a home where we can learn the secrets of life, to recognize and respect one another, to protect and provide, nourish and bond with every person worldwide. Whether in your Um, family life, corporate world, sports or hobby club, provide and protect as well as nourish and bond each and every member of your family and community. This is your ashram. I'm Raymond Hamden, a citizen of the human race on planet Earth, welcoming everyone to globally unite through mutual cooperation, a system for proper relations and prosperous resolutions. You are in the Psychologist's Chair.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week for In the Psychologist's Chair. Please join Dr. Raymond Hamden for another edition next Tuesday at 9 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until we speak again, hope you enjoy your week.